0: Okay. All right, finally we are back. So been a while, not been feeling too well myself, health issues, but and nonetheless, praise the Lord, we are back. We are back in action. All right, continuing um going through the book of Ephesians, which I have no idea how long we're gonna be in this book, but uh <clears throat> it's continuing uh also um the biblical church. So we're going through the book of Ephesians in a very lengthy series uh, called The Biblical Church. Why The Biblical Church? Because let's face it, folks. The uh, church in America doesn't doesn't at all resemble the church in Acts. Right? Filled with fire, filled with power, changing the world, being bold for God. Where is that today? Well, praise God, though, that revival is happening, if you don't know, in uh, Asbury University. Where did it it start with? One person. One person. It wasn't the greatest of sermons that was ever preached. One person decided to repent. Now, days, days, days later, revival. Right? We want revival. Do you want revival? I want revival. So we just uh, had some nice worship time. You know, I, can't, I can't live stream it because I don't have uh, the money to pay for the rights for songs. So if you missed revival, or missed a, sorry, not missed revival, missed worship, join us then at 9.30 a.m. That's when revival starts. And then after the message ends, we'll cut the live stream off and we're going to hold communion. And you say, well, why would you do such a thing? I want to hold, well, I don't know your heart and you're not here in person. And uh the Bible warns against taking communion in an unworthy manner. Okay. So so that means if, if you're living in sin, you're not allowed to take communion. So I'm not going to take the chance of allowing somebody to take communion in an unworthy manner. That's why if you're wondering, why, why, why not why won't I live stream it? That's why. That's why. But today's message we're going to get into, I titled it Killing Hostility. Right. But it's going to be specifically in reference to killing the hostility that, or anti-Semitism. I'm not afraid to hit the hot topics. I, I don't think anti-Semitism is preached enough, preached against, I should say. Anti-Semitism is not preached against often enough from the public in America. Anti-Semitism is on the rise more than ever before. You would think we would have learned our lesson from World War II. Right not not just what the Nazi Germany did, by the way, but what even we did, even what England did. I thought you guys were these, these uh, allied powers. Yeah. while well, uh, preventing the Jews from coming into our countries, fleeing. Being being causes of. The, more the numbers in the Holocaust. But but anti-Semitism in the church is nothing new. It's been going on, let's see, it's 2023 now. So, it's been going on roughly, real quick, do some math in my head. We'll say 1900 years. From the time of the second century onward. So, I don't believe you. Well, go read some of these church fathers. Go read what Justin Martyr said about the Jews, for instance. Then fast forward, John Chrysostom. What he would say, he was he was labeled the golden tongue because of his ability to speak. Yet his writings are so violently anti-Semitic. Yet people would hold him in high regard. And it continued on with, with the rise of of the Roman Catholic Church, right? And and, and on as as the Roman Catholic Church went on the Crusades and the Crusades would march. They said, well, we have evil in our own backyard. The evil they label was the Jews, right? You know, we know in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, but that's not what the Jews think. They think of the Inquisition by Spain in the Roman Catholic Church. That's what they think about what happened in 1492. And, and today, today from the pulpits in America, anti-Semitism is preached Sunday after Sunday. So I don't believe that. Oh yes, there are those like Stephen Anderson who are violently against the Jews. But what do we, what do we really do? But well, what happens from our pulpits? You say, well, I don't know many churches who preach that. But you, you're going to hear today. You're going to hear today how, just just how we are. May shock you. You may strongly disagree, but I'm not here because I'm trying to get people to like me. I'm here to please God and God alone. And what God has to say in this matter is all that matters at the end of the day. Not my opinion. Not your opinion. Right? Not John Nelson Darby's opinion. The 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 father of of pre-tribulation rapture belief. Nothing of nothing matters. My. My, my view of an interpretation of scripture doesn't matter. Your interpretation, what God, God's interpretation matters. In other words, the plain reading of the text, that's all that matters. So, Lord, we pray today, let your word do its work in us. Lord, 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 Jesus, do your work. You, the word, the logos of God, do your work in us. Be alive. Lord, divide in us. What is wrong? Divide, Lord, or light from dark, evil from good. Let it be killed in us today, Lord. And any any Jewish hatred which is which is so far so so against so against your word, Lord. So against your very nature. So against your very commands. Lord, we want revival. We long for it, Lord, but we know if we hold hatred in our hearts toward people, it's not going to come. Lord, today may may repentance fall on all who hear the word of the Lord. Lord, I humble myself before you today. Lord, I am just your vessel. I am just your vessel, Lord. Move. I open myself to you in humility. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's open the word of God. Continuing in the book of Ephesians or in Ephesians chapter 2 All right Verses 14 through 16 And I'm reading from the English Standard Version In case you're wondering It says here For he himself is our peace Talking of Christ Who has made us both one And has broken down in the flesh The dividing wall of hostility By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. So I guess we would have, so, but I want you, I want you to keep this in mind today. All right, let's put the slide up on the screen for this. I want you to keep this at the forefront of your mind today. Right, I don't often post Greek. I'm not trying to prove myself smart. All right, That's not going to happen anyways. But uh, I want you to keep this definition of peace in mind. When we see the word peace here um, in these scriptures, Here, here's what the Greek says, right? Irenian. Irenian. I probably screwed that up all. Anyway. But the definition here is peace between individuals, i.e. harmony, concord. I want you to keep that at the forefront of your mind today as you listen to the word of God, as you listen to this message. I want you to to hold on to that. Peace between individuals, right? How how did I know that's the correct definition, Easter, because Greek is like any other language. Its Words have multiple meanings, right? Not just one. But how do I know this is the context? Simple. Like we use reading comprehension in English. We're Talking about this dividing wall between what? Two people groups, right? Jews, Israel, right? And Gentiles. In other words, everybody not a Jew. Everybody not of any of the tribes of Israel. So if you're wondering what a Gentile is, the dividing wall was there once upon a time. Once upon a time, the only way to come to salvation was to become a Jew, to become circumcised, right? The, the sign of, of a covenant made with God. That, that's what things were at one point in time. And now at this point in history, during the second temple period here, what was happening is that, that Jews and the Greek Community, right? In other words, all the community outside of Israel were making proselytes. What does that? What does that mean? It means they were bringing Greeks into Judaism, right? Because at the time, this is this was going on. By the way, before Jesus came, that was the only way to to salvation, right? That was the only way. Once upon a time, so this was still going on, even in the time of Paul. So after. The death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, right? After the establishment of the new covenant. Just in case you don't know, by the way, the new covenant was not established, by the way, until Jesus rose again from the dead. That's when the new covenant was established. So, so we have these Jews, we have proselytes. What does that mean? It means Greeks that are on the path to becoming Jews, right? They had this whole rigmarole to go through you know, things they had to do, things they had to learn, so on and so forth, right? I'm not going to get into a deep explanation. So, so then we find, why did Paul write this, right? Because context is important, right? What, what, is, what, are, what, are the, what is proper hermeneutics or Bible interpretation? Context, context, context. As right? simple as that. So, so why did Paul write this, right? So it should be up on your screen. So let's give a background. Right, this is cross reference to Acts chapter 21, verses 27 to 29, by the way. So in prison, after being arrested, being falsely accused of bringing a Gentile into the temple. I want, you to, I want you to keep that falsely, right? In verse 29, it says, For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian with him in the city. And they supposed, or assumed, you could put it in there, that Paul had brought him into the temple. So why, why is this such a big deal? Because it was forbidden for a, for a non-Jew to enter the temple, right? In fact, Rome allowed the Jews, at times, to kill offenders, right? To publicly execute people who violated this. So this was, this was I guess, what could be considered in the Jewish world a capital crime, right? Punishable by death. That's how, that's how serious the Jews took him. That's why they were so incensed when, uh, about Paul, right? Now, Paul didn't, didn't bring a, a Gentile, a non-Jew, into it, right? but they assumed, right? And we know what happens when you assume. I'll let you figure the rest out. So this is Paul writing this now. He's now, he's now in prison, right? Ephesians is considered one of the prison epistles. Right? The prison letters. In other words, Paul wrote this from prison. So he was falsely accused. Falsely accused. Now, point number one, you say, well, I don't know what this point has to do with it. Keep keep listening. Judging in anger always leads to hostility. Right? We have Proverbs, and I could have gone on and listened to so many scriptures, but I, I want to read them to you. Proverbs 14.29, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Again, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 15.18, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Proverbs 19.11. Now, what what happened here, right? Remember, they rushed to judgment. They they rushed to anger. They didn't have a reason for it. And and we're talking about this this peace, that that Jesus making peace between Jew and Gentile, right? Now, we, we see this play out constantly. I do anyways. I don't know about you. I see this play out where people automatically, they don't know, they just see a meme, right? Watch a TikTok video. Things like this automatically say, oh, those evil Jews. Oh, they control the world's finances. While on the, while on the other hand, they say things like, but the Jews today are not really Jews. Now, what sense does that make, right? No, they, they 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 exalt folly, like the proverbs, like God warns in the scriptures, right? But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. Think about that for a second. That 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 I don't even want to call it judgment, really. But but the stupidity, right? I always say anti-Semitism makes you stupid. Anti-Semitism makes you stupid, isn't this right? To say one thing, well, the Jews are. Are, are responsible for all this evil and control everything, but then they're not really Jews, though. So pick one. It can't be one or the other. But, but this is this is how we how we work things out. Historically, we have unfairly judged the Jewish people unfairly, especially in our churches. Right? Remember, I said I was going to get to this and we'll get to more later. Well, I want to give you some brief examples that I'll unpack. Later on, our replacement theology or supersessionism. What does that mean? That means no, 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 no. All God's promises for, uh, for Israel, right, are now for the church. So the, this, this, this demonic theology is what it is. By the way, it's demonic. Says that no, 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 no. The church is Israel now. I mean, never mind that. Nowhere in Scripture can you ever find that ever in the plain reading of the text right i always say the scriptures were written for the common person that's why it was written in the common greek language not the high greek but the Koine greek the common greek why so the average person could read the scriptures and they would be able to understand them so if if you say something like replacement theology but it's not in the plain reading of the text. Then it's false. But we do that. You say, well, that's not anti-Semitism. Yes, it is. You're saying, no, 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 Israel, right, and the Jews. Sorry, sorry, they weren't good enough. They were, they were cast off. They they were cut off, right? Okay. So 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 this thinking, is, it's it's not like oh no. Gentiles are now grafted in. Oh, no, no, now it's changed to, no, we're, we're the vine. We, we're the roots now. I don't know where people get this from, but it's out there. And, and, and a couple more would be dispensationalism and a preacher rapture. Oh, I'm probably wrinkling feathers now. Preacher rapture? It's really that evil? Oh, yeah, we'll get to that later on. But point number two. Is hostility between Jews and Gentiles, anti-Semitism is wrong because that's what this text is talking about, right? Jesus broke down the walls, yes. So social and theological that once divided Jews and Gentiles, right? The, the social aspect and the theological, right? I mean, so much to think about it. I've preached on this before uh, when I preached on homosexuality, what the Bible says. That that the Gentiles were seen as the ones to commit adultery, sexual immorality of all kinds, all of that kind of thing. The Jews, no, no, they wouldn't do that. It was forbidden for them to even even think about it. It's forbidden for even to talk about it. So, So that is one social aspect, right? Another, obviously, social aspect would be, you know, foods eaten, Purification, but that would also probably cross over the theological, right? Because I told you before Jesus rose from the dead, we were under the old covenant. Right? We had to follow all the dietary laws. Remember, I said that a Gentile could only be saved if they became Jew and were and were were, were, you know circumcised, not circumcision of the heart. All of that. So Jesus broke down all those walls. Yes? We we know where the Bible talks about, on the cross, and and the veal was torn, right? That that veal, and what was behind that veal was the Holy of Holies. Now, I know in that day, there was no presence of God in the Holy of Holies, right? Because the Ark of the Covenant was no longer there. But nonetheless, it was still there. So, so this very real, as it was recorded in the Bible, tearing of the veal that separated from the Holy of Holies. But more than that happened. But like I said before, where, where, where the temple of God, this physical structure, was said to host the very presence of God and only Jews were allowed inside of it. Right? And I said that Gentiles, if they entered, it, was, a, was, was punishable by death and Rome would a- allow it. But now that's gone. Now all of us can enter into the presence of God. Jew and Gentile together. Jew and Gentile together. Let me say that. Jesus never wanted Gentiles to be Jews. We see this in in things like Acts 15. Let's open my Bible to, to that real quick. You don't know what Acts 15 is, the Jerusalem Council, right? Now, over a decade later, by the way, so Acts 15 literally takes 15 years, takes place 15 years after the, the ascension of Christ. Just like Acts 10, where the first Gentile to be grafted in took place 10 years after the ascension of Christ. So now we have this happening. Now we have these Gentiles coming in. And they're like, well, what are we supposed to do with them? They had no idea. It says in verse 1, But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. So now here we have this big dispute. So the council meets together. And this is what they come out with. Verse 19. "Uh, Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. But should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. That's it. That's it. Taken from the Torah, the Old Testament commandments, right? All just that. No, 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 that not that they should get physically circumcised, right? And, and we know that Paul writes a letter to the Galatians rebuking them for this very thing. We, read, we can read in the book of Hebrews, and we go to chapter 10, for instance, right? And it talks about trampling over the sacrifice by what? Right? It says, book of Hebrews written to who? Hebrews, the Jewish people, warning them, don't go back to the law of Moses. Don't go back to having to get uh, circumcised. Not that they can, but don't go back to it thinking that's the only way to God. Thinking that's the mark of salvation, because it's not. I mean, here in Galatians 2, um, verse 3, it says, But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Paul writing Paul, a Jew. Yes, Paul never stopped being a Jew, right? Let me just point that out. Sure, you've probably heard it. You've probably heard this. Saul changed his name to Paul and became a Christian. That's not in scripture anywhere, by the way. But it never happened. Let me just say it. Paul was born in Tarsus in the Greek-speaking world, a city-state. So that means there he would have been called Paulus in the Greek. And when he was in Israel, he used his Hebrew name, Shaul. So he had two names, depending on where he was at notice he's called Saul even after his conversion. Up until when? He goes up to Antioch in the book of Acts. And then he starts being called by his Greek name. So even Paul says, he was not this, this, this Greek with me. I didn't force him to do this. Why? Because he didn't need it. Why? Because Jesus' goal was to make one new humanity. Where all the promises were once to given to Israel. Right? Remember, I said that. Once upon a time, the promises were given to Israel. But then Jesus came. Why? To, to, to establish a new and better covenant. That's what went on. One new humanity. What, what does that mean? Yes, that means all who come to Jesus, Jew and Gentile. Separated that dividing wall. But we, the church, keep that wall of hostility up. And boy, have we built it high. Sometimes we could probably allude to the Tower of Babel. Building this wall of hatred toward the Jews. Higher and higher. Thicker and thicker. Brick by theological brick. And then we wonder why the Jews want nothing to do with us. I wonder how many people actually know who, if there are any Jews in their congregation or if they even care. Yet, Jesus came to make one in humanity. Leading to my third point. Both Jews and Gentiles need reconciliation. Let me say that one more time. Both Jews and Gentiles need it. What what does that mean? Well, we have this thing out there called dual covenant theology. What does that mean? According to this heresy, this very anti-Semitic heresy, by the way, there is one covenant for Israel and the Jews, and God is fine with them doing that. And there is another covenant for the Gentiles. That's that's what this belief. Is. You say, why did you call it anti-Semitic? Because if we don't preach the gospel to all mankind, right, if we don't minister and tell all peoples, regardless of race, ethnicity, gender, you name it, that Jesus is the only way, that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and He is the only way to salvation, guess what we're doing to them? We're damning them to hell. And a person who holds onto this dual covenant theology, those, the Jews are so super special because they're the apple of God's eye. They are the apple of God's eye. But the only way to the Father is still Jesus, regardless. And what does that mean? That I means a Jew will still go to hell if Jesus is not the Messiah. If that's not the case, then what will happen? And so therefore, if we withhold the, the, the message of salvation from them because we think, oh, they don't need that, that's anti-Semitism. Now, why? Because we're damning them to hell. There's only one covenant. Let me make that abundantly clear. One covenant only. Here's an example, Jeremiah thirty one thirty one Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. You can read further on your own. On your own time but what does it say here a new covenant right and it goes on to explain now like the old right i I will no longer write the law on tablets of stone but on their hearts and so on and so forth it goes on to say why because it's the new covenant not the old covenant so therefore to 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 teach anything else is anti-semitism why did i say we make drive that point home because now we're keeping the gospel from the Jews, right? Notice we don't really apply this to anybody else, right? Sometimes they call Islam one of the Abrahamic faiths, which is false, by the way, okay? It is not an Abrahamic faith just because, just because they say Abraham is our father, right? Well, that means they think Abraham is the father of the Arabs, not the Jews. So it's not an Abrahamic faith. It's not. But even even with the wrong mindset, notice this dual covenant thing doesn't apply to them. Doesn't apply to any other people group but the Jews. So yeah, it's anti-Semitic toward the Jews. Therefore, last point. The only way to kill hostility between Jews and Gentiles is who? Jesus. Right? Why? Because he's the Prince of Peace. Right? We read here earlier. Right? For he himself, who? Jesus, is our peace. Who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So it's Jesus. Not Gentiles becoming Jews or Jews becoming less Jewish. Now we see this playing out constantly. I see it all the time lately. Unfortunately, we we see Gentiles who who have this revelation of our Jewish roots. Praise God for that. Praise God. We don't have enough of that in the church today, if you ask me. We 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 look so far divorced. We say, well, oh, the first century church this and. Well, the first-century church was comprised of Jew and Gentile alike. But people come to this revelation of the Jewish roots. Hey, Jesus' name in Hebrew is Yeshua? Amen for that. Wait a minute. Peter wasn't the first pope? Right? He had a Hebrew name called Kepha? Really? Shimon? Kepha? Yes, Simon the Rock? Wait a minute. John John wasn't a Baptist? Wait, it was was Yochanan the Immerser? Yeah. John's Hebrew name, Yochanan, Jonathan. Wait, wait. Jesus' mother was Miriam? That was her name? Yeah, the very same name of uh, Moses' sister. Wait a minute. It's not the book of James, it's the book of Jacob? Jacob? Yeah, okay. Praise God for all that new revelation. But when that revelation, leads us to go back to the Old Covenant. Then we're in trouble. And I see that today. Let me make that abundantly clear. Nowhere in Scripture does it say that Gentiles have to follow the law, the Torah. Let me make that abundantly clear. Time after time after time, it's warned against in Scripture. Paul highlights time after time after time what the law was for. It's to show us what sin is, to reveal to us sin and us as sinners. That's it. So to follow it and think, oh, well, I have to become Jewish now. Well, that's, that's exactly what the Bible warns against. Also, Jews becoming less Jewish. You say, oh, I so silly. Why did you say such a silly thing? Because that's the view. Now, I know throughout history, it was even worse. I mean, things like eat this ham sandwich to prove that you're converted. Evil. You're asking them to become not a Jew. Why? Because according to the Torah, right, and the dietary laws, pork is forbidden. Right? Nothing to say that a Jew has to stop doing that. Right? They can follow all the dietary laws. They can eat kosher. Right? I'm not talking about the Talmud and the oral law and separating pots and pans and all that. That's not what I'm saying, talking about. You know, they can choose to wear the, the tassels on their garments. What, whatever, fine. There, there is nothing wrong with that. Obey all the feasts as the Bible prescribes, all feast days. Great. Praise God. Because nothing in here forbids it. Paul himself makes it abundantly clear. He calls himself a Pharisee of Pharisees, a Hebrew of Hebrews, right? Saying, "Hey, I am a Jew." Right? He wrote some stuff that we often gloss over. When I was among the Jews, right? What did he? Do? What did he say? When he was among them, right? He did exactly what they did. What would that be? He'd go to temple, go to synagogue, right? Follow, dress, all of those things. And Paul. Paul lived like this, and nothing in the Bible says he ever stopped. To ask somebody to become less Jewish is is being against Jesus himself. Make it abundantly clear. To say you love the Jesus, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus, the Messiah, the Jewish Messiah, a man, God in the flesh, right? Born through a Jewish woman in Israel, lived as a Jew. That's why, by the way, if you you think, well, really? Yeah, that's why when he went to synagogue and he opened the scroll and read about himself. Why? Because that was the Torah portion for the week. So you can actually go back in history, right? You can figure out, well, he read from this, and you would have known whoever read from the first five books You can figure out exactly what they read from because it's the exact same thing Jews read today. It's never stopped. Thousands and thousands of years. Every Jew around the world reads the exact same portions. And Jesus said exactly that. He wasn't reading, oh, some, he didn't pull out a scroll and say, I'm going to read about me today. This is who I am. No, it was was what was what was studied and read in that week. So to say you love him but you hate the Jews. It is actually oxymoronic in the extreme. You say, well, I love Jesus, the Jewish Messiah. But I hate the Jews. No, you hate Jesus because he's Jewish thoroughly through and through. Let's drive home the point that we Gentiles, remember I, I talked about replacement theology. Right? In other words, supersessionism. In other words, the church replaced. No, 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 no. We Gentiles are grafted into Israel, not the other way around. Right? They're not grafted into the church. Right? They don't become a part of the quote-unquote church age. I hate that. I hate that statement. I can't stand it when I hear people say that the church was birthed at Pentecost. No, it wasn't. It was 3,000 Jews who came to salvation. And they would go and do what? Ten synagogue. Let me read it, though. From uh, Romans 11. Romans 11. let Let me just say here. If you have never truly read Romans chapters 9, 10, and 11, then you've got it all wrong. You've already missed it completely. I don't know who said this quote, and I tried to look it up one day. I couldn't find it. But I know I'm going to get it wrong, but basically they said, if you get Israel and the Jews wrong, you get the entire gospel wrong. So I'm sure today around wherever the world is being preached on a Sunday, the gospel is being mentioned. Yet, if, you, if you've if you never went to Romans 9, 10, 11, by the way, there are many pastors who for some reason have not read those three chapters, then they've gotten the gospel message wrong and they're preaching a gospel message that is wrong. Because here it says in Romans um, chapter 11, for instance, verse 17, but if some of the branches were broken off and you, although being a wild shoot, were grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree. And then this warning, many Christians are so ignorant of. In verse 20, so in verse 20, I think this shall be up on the screen. That is true. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud but fear. To say that the church replaced Israel in any fashion is being boastful and proud. Thinking now, the church is better. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Did you catch that? Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you. Provided, so, uh oh Wait a minute, you mean God's kindness? There's something attached to it? Other provided you continue in his kindness oh wait a minute so god to be kind to us it means we can't be proud thinking we're better being kind otherwise the scriptures say otherwise god says here you too will be cut off so in other words if we think we're better than the jews right Proud, boastful. We don't fear. Fear what? Fear the Lord. If we lack the fear of the Lord, then what happens here? Otherwise, you two will be cut off. Wait a minute here. So once saved, always saved? It's false? Oops. So, I said I would get get to this. Uh, Israel and the church were never meant to be separate then. Never, ever was that the plan. Oh, well, so they were hard, hearted and you just said they were broken off. Well, what else did I say, though? So let me just get, tell you why dispensationalism and a preacher rapture belief is very anti-Semitic. Let, let me tell you exactly why. First, let me, I, I mentioned his name at the beginning, right? I think it's John Nelson Darby. So who was this John Nelson Darby? He lived in the 19th century. So he came up with this dispensation nonsense. He came up with his seven dispensations, okay? He also is the one that came up with the preacher rapture, right? Which continues to grow in popularity, unfortunately. But thank God there are those who are confronting this false doctrine. So what is it? This is is a belief, right? And by the way, I double-check sources. Make sure it wasn't just incorrect. Dispensationalism and in a pre rapture. This is, the, this is the false belief here. There are two peoples of God. Israel is one of these and consists of the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Right? <clears throat> the church is the other. And it consists of those and only those, whether Jew or Gentile, who are saved between the day of Pentecost and the rapture. Part of the reason for the pre-tribulation rapture is to remove the church from the earth so that God can begin dealing with national Israel again. It's is a, a brief blurb on this very false belief. Very wrong belief. There are not two, two people groups in the eyes of God. He broke out that dividing wall. I mean, funny how, how people will come to this belief, yet... What does it say? There is not now there's neither Jew nor Gentile. What does that mean? Does it mean that they physically, like ethnically stop being Jewish? No, it doesn't mean that. Means they've been circumcised in the heart. That's what that means. That means we are one. That's what it's talking about. Unity. I'm telling you, if we want revival, we we have to be in unity. If we want revival, then what must we do? We have to outreach to our brothers to our lost brothers and sisters, they Jewish people. What does that include? Evangelism. What does that mean? Extending the olive branch of love. What does that mean? It means supporting ministries who do this type of work, like one for Israel. Chosen people ministries and others. Together for Israel is another one. That, that's, that means we actually get involved. I don't care if we can't go to Israel or not. I don't care if we live in a community that, that's not really Jewish. Fine. But that's not an excuse. Fine. Talk to your neighbors. What do you believe about this? Correct them. What's your belief system about that? Correct them if it's wrong. Have conversations. Be willing to dialogue. I don't know. Be like Jesus. Wow. Who reached across and, and, and spent time with all people. Not that all people believe, but he spent time with them. He didn't become like them. But you you think I think I'm 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 talking nonsense. Well, what about what Romans eleven fifteen says? want you to be ready on your screen. Yeah, uh, turn turn back to the book of Romans real quick here. So Romans eleven fifteen here, right? Because what I say is is either confirmed by scripture or not. So, right? You can only I tell people, hey, fact check me. Go ahead. So it says here, for if their rejection, talking of the Jews in Israel, for if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? What is repentance or what is revival? It's exactly that. People coming from death into life. People becoming saved. Right? People repenting. Of their sins being cleansed going from death to life this word here says we can't do that without the Jews that's what it says it says it's not gonna happen we can't we want to reject the Jews your church wants to reject the Jews whatever it may be well it's dead it's gonna stay dead until what happens Jesus isn't even coming back. What makes you think he's going to move into church service today if he's not coming back until all of Israel is saved? So, I don't know. I've never heard that. You don't know, study your Bibles then. Stop studying a man. I mean, let me give you this brief timeline of what's going to happen. Go flip out. Go, go read Zechariah's um, chapters 12 to 14. Here's what's going to happen. Jesus is going to show up in a public appearing to the Jews and Israel. Read in Zechariah. And they will look upon whom they have pierced and mourn and weep. Right? Then they will be given time to repent. I think, according to the fall feasts, it will be at 10 days. I'm not 100% sure on that, but since the spring feast pointed to, the, to Jesus and everything that happened and went in specific days, right? Well, why can't that happen with the, with, with the fall feast that point to the return of Jesus? So Rosh Hashanah, the head of the year, the new year, right? What happens there? The, the, the blowing of the trumpets, Yom Tera, right? The Bible says that Jesus is going to show up at the what? The last trumpet, the sh- with, with, with the sound of a trumpet. The voice of an archangel. A public, loud appearance for all to see. But whom first? Israel. Whom first? The Jews. How do I know? What else does Scripture say? Jesus said, what? You will not see me again until you say, what? Baruch, hapah, adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Speaking to a Jewish audience. Until the Jews say that, they will not see Jesus. And he will show up in a public appearing to them first. And then a Jewish king will rule from the Jewish capital that will become the capital of the world. He will rule and reign from Jerusalem. A Jewish king will rule the world. And all of the nations of the world will be required to do what then? celebrate a Jewish feast of what? Sukkot. By bringing their, their, their offerings. And then if they don't, then what happens? They get cursed. That's what the Bible says. It's a thoroughly Jewish thing that will happen. If we want things to happen, yes, people will cry out, Maranatha! Right? Come, Jesus! Excluding the Jews, sorry. Those dirty Jews in Israel, no, 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 no. no. God's going to deal with them when we're taken out. How evil that is. How utterly wrong that is. Evil beyond evil. No. Church, we're not getting taken out. And it's most certainly not so that Jesus can deal with those Jews. How about Jesus has to deal with the church right now? sin runs rampant in the church people apostatizing left right and center just people in the pulpits right it seems every day one comes out about sexual morality well one is coming out because something comes out in the public because of something texting women they shouldn't be texting having conversations yeah that's a grave sin by the way that is a grave sin let me point that out it is not a light sin and the person who committed it, and you know who I'm talking about, should not have been restored yet. Let me just say that. So you think, well, well, Jesus has to deal with that. I tell you what, right now, if Jesus were to come back right now, he'd be dealing with his church, and it wouldn't be nice. I guarantee, you, on the day of judgment, there would be a lot less people there right now than you think. Like those people who pardon part of my church. That was a great expository preacher right there. Why is he among the goats? Why is he getting judged according to his works and not according to the blood of Jesus? Man, she led the praise and worship team. Man, whoo! Phil Wickham song. Ah, oh, I love it. Makes me so emotional. Why is Phil over there among the goats? Why did he just get cast into the fiery furnace? I don't understand that. Why? Because that was what would happen if Jesus comes back. If he were to return right now, that's what would happen. That's what that's a brief synopsis. That means we must repent. We have to repent wrong about wrong theologies and wrong doctrines about the Jews in Israel. Period, point blank. No apologies. I have studied this out. Now, now, before we end, let me, let me give you some great resources first, right? Let me, let me help you. Let me help equip you. Dr. Michael Brown, probably Michael L. Brown, right? Our Hands Are Stained With Blood, the book title. Our Hands Are Stained With Blood, Expanded and Revised Edition. Get it. Get that book. How about this one? Christian anti-Semitism in the church by Michael Brown. And I'm just kind of wondering what am I looking at? I'm looking at my bookshelf. Thinking what else is back there? But those are the two resources to get you started. Go, go check those out. Check out uh, Scott Volk, V-O-L-K, of Together for Israel. Check out One for Israel. Check out Chosen People Ministries. Check out all these resources that will help you and educate you and equip you to bring the gospel to the Jews. I said One for Israel. They've got some great books out there about this stuff, by the way. How do I know that? Because I've got them. Why do I have them? So I could better present the gospel to to, to the Jewish people. The whole reason I did it, not because I want to sound smart or be smart. Believe me, there are many people that are way more well-spoken than I, and I'm okay with that. So we must be willing to repent. So I ask you, watching online, share this, like it, get this message out there. Now, we are going to come and we are going to do communion here. Shortly, I said I'm not going to live stream it. If you want to participate with us in worship, we would love to have you. The address is, and link is always in the, is always in the description for people to come here. If you would like to participate in the sacrament of, of the Eucharist, more than welcome. Come, 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 come! Visit us. Come hang out with us. We'd love to have you. Uh, we'll continue, God willing, next week as the lord wills we'll continue obviously in the book of ephesians as the lord wills let me say that i don't want to say i will do it definitely but as the lord wills. so be blessed everybody this sunday thanks for sticking through the sermon with me